I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism. Answers. I'm Lynette Luigi, story teacher host, and today we have a marvelous and exciting day, as we always do. Remember the purpose of this show. The purpose of this show is always to try to come up with answers, not just to sit and whine and complain and say, oh my goodness, it's difficult when autism's afoot, because that's kind of stating the obvious. All right, so today I thought we should do something that maybe I should have done ages ago. I'm calling today's show a tribute to Teague. Now, most of you probably don't know what Teague is, but Teague is a very small little town in Texas. And I'm going to tell you why Teague deserves a tribute. But first, I want to remind you, you have to stay through the whole show to figure it all out because we get little bits and pieces everywhere, and I wind it up at the end in stories from the road. <laughs> and just before that, we have, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. So this is a really jam-packed show. Um, <clears throat> when I was raising my kids, I did a bunch of things. I've told you about many of them. Um, at one point, one of my sons looked like he was going to be a tar- used as a target. You know, he was small, and, and uh, the gangs were trying to get him to do the things that they needed small bodies to do, and he was about to get in a lot of trouble, and he was doing a lot of fights and stuff. And so I thought, oh, okay, it's time to pull my kids away from the system. And I took them out of school, and I homeschooled them. I sold everything, and I bought an RV, and I got a bunch of people to help us, and we drove around in this RV, and I homeschooled. And it was miraculous, and I've talked about it before, and I'll talk about it again. But the point of the today's show goes beyond the RV time. So about a year and a half later, a little less, I'm looking for a home because I figured now it's time for me to find a place for my kids to settle in. And I wanted very much to raise my kids into independence, at least as many of them as I could. So today's question that we want to answer is how do you do that? How do you have a brood of autistic kids, in my case four, and how do you try to get most of them into independence? How do you aim for independence in this world the way that it treats autism? Well, my answer was to go back in time. I thought, here, I've already got them, you know, doing reading and talking better and doing all the things I, I needed them to do except for one. It's time to settle someplace that will embrace them in an old-fashioned way, that will be um, kind of behind the times, not all about all the computers and all the this and all the that. So I'm in my RV and I drive, draw a big circle around Houston because that was kind of our, our base. My couple of my daughters were living there. So it's a huge circle around Houston. And I decided I would go 300 um, miles in any direction. Not south, that would put us in the Gulf. But <laughs> so, so we drove and we followed little town newspaper after little town newspaper looking for the property where they would sell me a place where my kids would be um, able to behave any way they wanted in the yard. So I needed some acreage. Um, So if Dar, the one who wasn't coming along too well, wanted to jump on the trampoline naked, he could. And nobody would be peering over the fence and saying, that boy's too old to be doing that. So I needed acreage, but I needed more than that. I needed a small rural setting that would embrace my kids and let them try stuff. I needed backyard mechanics, and I needed folks that didn't have uh, their bar set so high my kids would never be able to jump up and catch on to it. So I'm looking, and I'm looking, and one more thing I needed. I needed someone to sell me this property, and I didn't have any money. I also didn't have a job. So this was going to be tricky. 
but I was I was convinced I could pull it off. So sure enough, I find this property that had been sitting for sale for four years, and I show them that I write for some magazines and that I'm very trustworthy. And look at these lovely children that I'm caring for. Oh, obviously, I'll pay my bills. I promise. On a handshake and a promise, I bought this property with a contract for sale. I paid too much, but given that I couldn't pay at all, I feel, thought it was a good deal. Um, they were wonderful, and when the property was paid off, it became mine, and it all went well. I needed something where it was far enough from town that the kids would be exhausted by the time they walked to town um, so that they wouldn't be into mischief. So we were seven miles away. I could, I could say, well, fine, walk to town, and by the time they got to town, they could barely go to the Dairy Queen. So <laughs> we were good. <laughs> I couldn't be up to too much mischief, um, but it was still walkable. It was doable. I had all these things, and it was, it was working. This town is Teague, Texas, and they were embracing my kids. In some ways, embracing just meant leaving us alone and letting us be. So time goes, kids grow, they move on. Chances in the National Guard, he's moved to a different part, and Cash has gotten a job, and he's in the pipeline living in Corsicana, which is a bigger small town in Texas. And there's Rye, who is much more challenged, Harder to get off the spectrum of autism, also afflicted with Tourette's, which means he has these anger issues where he has outbursts. And really, I don't think I could have found another place that would have allowed him to get a driver's license and slowly build up a, a group of friends. And I was never sure if it was working. I was always wondering. I know I'm going on. We're almost at my guest. I always wondered, is this working? I had to periodically save him, buy some tickets, bring him back to California, give him some neurofeedback, set him on his feet, and send him back in again. But he did stuff. He did stuff on his own. Like he went to housing and said, I can't really afford normal rent. Can I get housing? He started mowing lawns, and he had a little book that he called his client base, his customer list. He tried making flyers, and he'd go to people's doors, and I'm sure he annoyed people. One day I get an email just recently about, I don't know, maybe I'll ask her, but I think it might have been about four months ago. That's about right. Yeah. So I get this email, and it made my heart feel, I'm going to cry, made my heart feel so warm and happy. Because someone in town, someone that I, whose name I've heard a lot, who Rye talks about, oh, well, Linda saved me. Oh, I was stuck. One time he calls me and he's like, okay, mom, I don't know what to do. My car's broken down. It's raining. I was on a guy's porch trying to get in, but he he's won't let me in. He's looking at me out the window like he's going to shoot me. And I'm like, well, he's afraid of you. It's weird that you're on his porch. You have to go back to your car. <laughs> so his problem-solving skills were somewhat challenged. And lo and behold, how'd you get out of it, Rye? Linda saved me. So I started hearing this, Linda, Linda, Linda. I get this email, and it's from Linda. And she wants to know if I think that my son could handle car ownership. Now, understand, I mean, this isn't Linda, my best friend, who I hang out with all the time. This is Linda, my son's helper, friend, client, customer, whose lawn he mows. And she's thinking if he mows enough, her lawn enough for free, she could maybe give him this car that she has, and what do I think? And actually, I was in the middle of buying a car. Literally had just put the money down on a different car. And yes, he can handle car ownership, but only because it's his third or fourth car, and now he's handling it better. He had to fail a bunch of times first. But what got to me was that somebody not only wanted to be giving this gift, but reached out and checked with me, checked with me first, because that's something people don't do. I had to figure out my email and do that. So, Linda, thank you so much for that, and hello and welcome, and thank you for being willing to be on the show. Oh, thank you for wanting me. Oh, my goodness. The minute I got, I, I mean, I've shown that email to everybody. <laughs> Hope you don't mind. No, not a bit. I think, um, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say your whole name. Linda Oberlon, I said it right, right? Oberly. Oberly. See, that's why I avoided it. I didn't want to blow it. <laughs> 
Let me say it again. I'll edit my boo-boo out. No, I'm going to leave it in. I like leaving my boo-boos in. Linda Overly. See, it proves that we're not the very best of friends. We hardly know each other. She's just friends to my son. Check that out, people, my independent son. Okay, so Linda, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that you've been there for my son. I'd love you to kind of talk about, um, let's talk a little bit about what you've seen Rye accomplish in this you know, period of time that you've known him, but also we could end on the most recent story because it shows that life is never smooth. <laughs> well, um, should I begin at the when I first met him? Sure, you can begin wherever you think the story makes sense to begin. The first time I met him, there was a knock on the door. Well, first, I could hear my screen door open, and then it sounded like my uh, inside door was kind of pushed a little bit, but I, it just makes that noise. Um, when the screen doors pulled out. And then there was a knock on the door, and I thought, hmm, I wonder who that is. And I opened it up, and there's a, um, a boy standing on my porch. His hair was part black and part blonde. <laughs> and he was kind of like peeping over my shoulder. And I, I got, frankly, when I first met him, I was kind of scared because I'd never seen him before. And I thought, well, who is this? And um, and he wanted to mow my yard. Well, um, I I told him no at that time. And um, I don't remember what I was doing about my yard at that time. I think maybe I was mowing it myself because I didn't have enough money, and I just told him, you know, I do it myself. I have a lawnmower. And uh, he went on his way. Well, I started noticing him walking all over the place in town, and I noticed that he was pulling his lawnmower, um, I saw him going up to houses. It looked, I could tell by his manner up and down the road that he was really striving to work. And I, you know, relaxed a little bit, and I started to feel sympathy for him. And um, the next time I saw him um, on the street or something, I, I told him, you know, that I would be happy for him to mow my yard. And so he would come around every now and then again to mow, and um, and I I saw that he tried really hard to do a good job, and he he does a real good job. He's not a great conversationalist, um, <laughs> but I'm not either. <laughs> so um, uh, I don't know. I I I just really have a lot of um, admiration for pre- people that try so hard that that don't seem to be getting very where, uh, anywhere very fast, but they keep on plugging, keep on plugging, keep on trying. And uh, the more I see him do that, the more my heart just melts for him. And he's helped me around the house, like picking up sticks and, um, you know, like I say, mostly mowing the yard. He's wanted to wash my car before, but I, I wish I had more money to be able to, to help him along. Um, but... I but you know, to. you know, Linda, just to to interject on that, just what you're describing, and I want to help folks that have um, other autistic kids. I mean, that's part of part to show gratitude to you, but also to to spread this idea because, you know, if it wasn't for people like you having a warm heart towards him and, and trying to do the little bits, he wouldn't have been able to stay independent, and I wouldn't have been able to say things like, "No, I'm not going to pay." You have to go to work. No, get out. Mm-hmm. Because if he, if I gave him money or if he was on SSI, he's not on anything. Mm-hmm. And if he was, then those bills would be covered just enough that he wouldn't have to get out and strive. Mm-hmm. And it would change the story dramatically. So if you had too much money and you could have, and part of the, the beauty of Teague was it was pretty poor. Mm-hmm. And so they would accept his poverty level, for one thing, but also... They would embrace his hard work. And if you could do too much for him, then he would, I know my son. <laughs> and he would not be working so hard, trust me. Yes, my sons are the same. <laughs> you know, so part of it's making him do it. So, so don't feel the parts you have offered to him and done for him have saved him many times. Well, I just really regret that I wasn't able to come through like I'd hoped I was going to. Um, but I I don't know if he told you or No, what. go on. You tell but, um Tell the rest of the story. I go thought no about the car. 
the uh, I thought that my balance was a lot lower than it actually was. And when I went to go pay for my payment, because, you know, I, I don't know how you are, but when I go make my payments, I don't pay attention really to what my balance is. And I just thought, well, I got a three-year loan, and I see I got a new um, engine and transmission put in that car, so I had to get a loan to get that done. And uh, I thought, well, my, my three years are going to be up in a couple of months, so my balance should be, you know, this, you know, in my mind. And I I didn't really pay attention until I made my next payment after I talked to you, and then I looked at my balance and thought, oh, my Lord, <laughs> I still owe $800 on this thing. I cannot, I cannot give him a car that I owe $800 on. Um so, uh, oh, I just felt so yeah, bad about not doing that. You so, don't have to feel bad. He got a car. Yeah. So your your generosity of heart made him feel so good. When I told him that you were wanting to do that and you'd gone so far as to reach to me, I mean, Rye has moments and days where just just that little conversation gets him through. Awesome. He still struggles. You know that. So for him to hear that that day got him actually through the process of the car he was buying because it gave him the feeling that, well, if I mess up, there's a, there's a plan B. Mm-hmm. And so whether you were able to do what you had initially wanted to do out of the generosity of your heart or not, you still helped him. And I think this is my point. I've seen this in Teague with so many people have accepted him in a way that if it was a big city, can you imagine where I'm trying to live in like Houston? No. I used to live there, and I don't think it would be possible for him. No. No. Uh, soon, maybe. Maybe in another year or so, because he's mm-hmm. really changed. But um, but definitely, I couldn't have done a hands-off, let's just keep telling him, nope, get back out there and take your lawnmower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, I've, because I felt so bad about it, I wanted to make it up somehow, so I I do graphic design work, so I created a business card for him. And when I presented it to him, it was um, professionally printed in color. I gave it to him, and he just lit up like the sun, and he said, sweet. (laughs) (laughs) He's supposed to be passing those out to help him uh, drum up some business. He's got it on Facebook, too. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, and he he, he um, scanned it and sh- sent it to me by email, and stuff. so he, oh. he likes it. Okay. He's happy with it, <laughs> and it does it does give him a, a flair of professionalism, which is something we've actually been telling him he should do. So, you know, you've done wonderful things, and and I want people to to get a sense of why I believe it's worked in Teague is because of there is a lower income level in Teague then, you know, it's not like a super, super rich town. And when we first got there, it's actually come together a lot since we first moved there. It was kind of really struggling when we first got there, and that actually helped us. So in the early days, I had the kids in in neighborhoods that were beyond us economically because I wanted them to see, you know, what it's like to be at a certain level. And I quickly realized the gap was too big, and they were shunned all the time. So when we moved to Teague, it was just right. Everybody allows you to to do things like be the lawnmower guy or be the hard-working, you know, bottle shampoo filler or, you know, there are jobs um, that that are kind of grassroots still. And there is that old-fashioned country, yeah, go for it, work hard, buddy, and you'll make it feeling. And I think it's really made a difference for him even to the point that he's gotten the attention that many parents complain about, which is the attention of the police. And so we're on to that now, Linda. Yes. <laughs> so do you want to tell the story or should I? No. Well, I don't mind telling it. Um, I was asked to go take photos at the Teague Homecoming event last Saturday night. Um, so I was there. I left the house about after I loaded up um, tables and chairs and boxes and stuff. Um, I left about 8.15 Saturday night, and I arrived home at 11.45. And when I came to my house, I noticed there was a light inside that was on that that struck me as being strange because I'm real good about turning the lights off when I leave. And I went to the front door, and it was ajar. And uh, my heart dropped down to my feet, and I opened up the door, and I saw my house was ransacked. And 
the air conditioner was out of the window, and my laptop that was sitting what had been sitting on my dining room table was gone. And um, I, my, I discovered my jewelry box was gone. It only had sentimental stuff in it, and you know, nothing of value, no, just like dollar store earrings. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, uh, but there there were some things in there from my dad. Uh, he died when I was a young teenager, and uh, I was really sad to lose that. Um, and also they took a BB gun and some BBs, and I called the police. They came and they investigated. And um, they noticed that there was a, a note in my office stuck to the wall about um, a contract that I'd made with a, another youth in Teague, um, he had wanted to um, exchange my lawnmower for his service. He needed a lawnmower to um, um, you know, make money. So I told him, okay, we'll do that. Well, it didn't work out because he didn't keep his end of the deal. I ended up bringing my lawnmower back. Um, but they noticed that, and they said, what about this guy? And I said, well, hmm. You know, I, he hasn't touched my yard in, you know, a while. I don't know, I guess it's been probably, gee, I don't remember, six months or so. I said, uh, and they asked, well, who is the guy, that, who, who mows your yard? And I said, well, Rye Shelton does. And they looked at each other, and I said, well, I'm sure that Rye didn't do it because we're friends. And they just went, mm, and then walked off into the uh, another room. I guess they were still continuing to investigate. And um, I thought that that was that. Um, but the next morning I was um, at church. I'm a nursery attendant um, at the Teague First Assembly of God. And he came to the nursery knowing that I worked there. He comes, I don't know if you know, he comes to, on Wednesday nights and he has yeah. a meal with us. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he came to the nursery and he said, uh, the police came to his house at 2 o'clock in the morning, which was about... About the time when they left my house, they must have made a beeline to his. Um, one of them knew exactly where he lived. He, he had mentioned it to the other. Well, I know where he lives. and um, But I didn't really think that they would actually... Uh, I, I, it didn't dawn on me that they hadn't were really believing that maybe he could have done it. Um, but Ryan told me they'd been over there about 2 o'clock in the morning. They woke him up. They went and they... Um, and searched his house to see if maybe my stuff was in his house, and uh, they made me. And they also told him that someone had seen him come in my house, and I was quite astonished because I don't well, know. Well, they just said the, that you know to see if they could shake a confession. <laughs> oh, well, I like truth, and, and and I don't know. It just bothers me when when people in the law enforcement um, don't speak the truth. When they want everybody else to, however, you know I can't, and you know that that's probably the strategy they need to do, and uh, right. And I do like the policemen. The, I'm not saying anything derogatory about their character. No, no, we're just telling it's, the story. We're it's just probably the just story. their, you know, what they got to do, I guess. Um, but uh, I felt really bad for Ra that that they would jump in and accuse him like that. Well, what I liked is I was really, really proud of my son. So the part that I heard in the story was, and here again, I want to help people to understand how you how you use these situations. So often in autism, I don't know if you know this, Linda, but people are so busy being upset and angry um, about situations and fairness of treatment that they don't know how to take advantage of a, of a situation. So... Rye calls me and he says, Mom, I had a pretty interesting night. And I said, oh, what happened? And he tells me. And I said, well, you know, that's what happens when you're the different guy. Mm -hmm. So the more that you walk with your heels on the ground and smile at people and don't be, he goes, yeah, I I think they thought I was suspicious because a couple nights before I was pretending that I was uh, a tough guy by the library. And they said, get on home, Rye. So they were probably thinking of me about that. And and I said, well, that's the point. You know, if you walk around uh, with your off time acting weird, <laughs> they're going to yeah. wonder what you did. Yeah. So you take advantage of these moments rather than get upset with the police. You're right. We can't be upset with the police 
they made a perfectly logical check, and by going in the middle of the night, Rye, had he been guilty, wouldn't have had time to get rid of the stuff, and they'd have found it. So in a way, they also helped him to prove his innocence by mm-hmm. going there so quick, and that was actually good. Yes. What I loved most is that he went first thing to church to talk to you, and mm-hmm. nobody told him to do that. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, he just wanted to make sure that you knew. Yes, I thought that, that that touched my heart, too, that he did that. That's not something that the average person would do. Right. Um, They'd just hide out or be upset. or He just knows he draws that attention. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, the first time you met him, he, he seemed a bit weird. So you're a little, <laughs> a little uncertain. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we got to wind it up. I could talk to you forever because, of course, we're talking about my son, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. But um, I do want to mention that Linda is – you know, she's helped her all the way to her bones, and so she's starting something up that the website's not finished on. But tell us a little bit about Helping Handcrafts. Um, HelpingHandcrafts.com is a website that I hope will be able to help people that are um, that are crafty, that like to make things. You know, um, sitting like elderly little ladies that might like to do their crocheting while they're watching TV or whatever. They might want to sell those little crochet items on uh, helpinghandcrafts.com um, to make a few extra bucks. And I'm trying to make the cost of it as low as I can, and I'm just going to be charging $5 a month. And they can sell as many of uh, 10 objects or items that they want um, if uh, the reason why I'm limiting it to 10 is because since it's such a low price, I want to see if it goes over so well that my server gets kind of crowded. You know, I, I, right? Gotcha, gotcha. And um, so I'm limiting it at first to just 10 items, but then you can have as many of those 10 items as you want. You know, like if you want to make washcloths, you can have a thousand washcloths, different right. colors, different sizes, or whatever. Gotcha. Um, but. Um, well, you know what I have, um, because I was working with a girl in Uganda, and while I was there, they asked me to try and sell their jewelry, and I came back with a bunch of necklaces, so maybe mm-hmm. I'll be one of your people, and we'll get see if we can sell those for them That'd on be awesome. your site when it's ready, so you let me know, okay? I sure will. All right, folks, that's helpinghandcrafts.com. Keep an eye out for it. It's not quite ready, but keep an eye out for it if you're interested in finding a place to do that. Linda's you can tell, is very awesome. Um, I just want to just give you my heartfelt gratitude for being a member of this great little town, Teague, that um, has really helped my son to survive, including the police being willing to go over there. I really, really like when the pluses and the minuses come together in the right way, and having the police know him and go over directly clears him up right away and Mm -hmm. makes it understandable for everyone. And he needs that. He can't, you know, really work with suspicion on him because he's not good, as you said, at conversationally um, kind of helping people to get comfortable. So uh, it's all good. And thank you so much, Linda. Oh, it is just my pleasure. I like to think of him as being my son, too. <laughs> you can have him. <laughs> you, you can borrow. You can be his aunt. How's that? <laughs> He's a All right, kid. thank you. All right, thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was Linda Overly, but the town of Teague does not consist of only one person. That would be a very small village to support my son in. So I thought we needed a smattering of other people. We only have a few minutes, but I want to hear from... Brother-in-law, son-in-law, my son-in-law, his brother-in-law, Milton Jones. Now, Milton came into our world as someone who fit the bill. He has a job, but he's also a backyard mechanic. And if you may recall from the beginning of the show, that's one of the things I was looking for, someone that could just really be useful to my sons who were trying to learn stuff like that. So, hi, Milton. Thanks for being willing to talk to us. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to um, get your take on the changes that you've seen Rye make. But first, I have to say something that I forgot to say. You are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. 
And we just were talking to Linda Oberly. Now we are talking to Milton Jones. And hang in to the end because we're going to have OK, OK, the great guest giveaway. And, of course, of course, of course, stories from the road. All right. Today's question is, how do you make an autistic child independent? And the answer is Teague, Texas. Hey, Milton. Hi. Thanks for talking to us. Oh, hello. Good. I'm sorry to get you started and then stop you. I just forgot to do my little middle-of-the-show break. So since you first met, now when did you first meet Rye? What year was that? Do you remember? Uh, 14 years. Wow. Gosh almighty, that long. Ooh. Yes, that is right, because she was a baby. That's right. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so 14 years ago, uh-huh. let's just pick one thing to talk about with Rye, or we could go on and on forever. What's one thing that's changed with Rye over the years? And kind of tell us the story of it. Okay, when I first uh, met Rye, you know, he was really high-tempered, and, you know, he was doing a lots of things like, uh, you know, he was breaking things, you know, and then once he yes, break, I know. <laughs> and once he breaks me, then the first thing he says, he's sorry, but yet he do it again. Right. And so as time went on, and that then he got to where you know, he got to where he decided he wanted you know do a little lawnmower work, and of course he was buying his own lawnmowers, and he was working you know doing yards and everything. So he decided he wanted to get him a car. Uh, the first he got wasn't a real good car, but yet he come to me, and, of course, we went out there on the road that time, and what's really kind of funny was that the car wasn't very worth very much, but it ran out of gas. But a wrecker, you know, it's supposed to be there a while. It's supposed to put a sticker on the side of your car and give you time to get it. But we went back out that evening, and it was gone. So he come to me, and he said, well, uh, what 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 I'm going to do about my car? I said, well, I really don't know where it is, but we'll do a little calling and find out. And finally, we found out where the car was at. So we called the guy up, and the guy said, hey, look, the car just ran out of gas this morning. Why did you pick it up? They, he said, well, they've been out of the road. I said, well, my God, well, how much is the record fee going to be for the car? He said, like five or six hundred dollars. I said, my God, the car's not worth but three or four hundred dollars. <laughs> Right, I said, well, what did it do? I said, right, give him the title. Yeah. So, right, gave him the title. Guy got the old car, which he shouldn't have picked the car up. So, anyway, he's gotten a few cars, different cars. This thing. But here lately, what he's done now, he's, he's he's done real good. He used to come to the house, and he would call for you or call for Tassaro. And, of course, when he called for Tassaro, he would huff. And I was, and I'd say, I said, right, I said, you don't have to do that. Well, where's the sun? I said, well, uh, I really don't know, but whenever she does, call me. I'll tell her you call. And okay, let me let me tell people what what you mean by hopping. I'm going to show them. Okay, so when when he, he Milton just referred to how Rye used to break things. One of his primary things to break was the phone, phone and glass, like windows and things. So if he got upset, he would throw every phone. Phones were always the target, and he was always breaking phones. And then um, he got much better, much better. And then he started what Milton termed it. We always talk about it like it's Milton language because Milton would say he's got to huffing and puffing. And what he means is Rye would call, and Rye would not get a hold of us, and so he'd go, oh, oh, <laughs> right? That, that's correct. <laughs> So, well, how is he doing now? Oh, well, after, after a little bit of time, we had a little talk with him about it and everything. And, of course, I explained to him that you guys are not going to be there every time that, you know, he calls. I said, because you guys have things that you have to do. So what will happen if you call and leave a message, you'll get back, to, get back with him. So a period of time, so finally I just told him, I said, now that huff, you know what you're doing, right? it's not going to get you anywhere, and I, I really don't like it because it's not really good. He said, well, I'm sorry, Milton. I said, if you want to come here and use my phone, and you call them, and they're not there, don't huff. Call them back later, or leave them a message, and let them know, hey, I call, you weren't there, I'll call you back later, or leave, uh, leave a message or something like that. So, so now he doesn't huff. He doesn't have, and you know what's so kidding about it? He's 
He's the only fellow that I know that every time you see him, he's always trying to find some type of work to do. The work that he does is honest work. Thank you. Thank you, Milton. I want to close on that. That was a beautiful statement, and I agree. Okay. He's really come a long way, and he's way. he's learned if you work hard, you get stuff, and that's that really the correct. lesson, right? That is correct. All right. Thank you so much for talking to us. Yes. I keep saying us. There's no one else here. Well, actually, Dar's sitting behind me, but anyway, thanks for talking to the audience and me. I appreciate it, Milton. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, and in the spirit of tribute to Teague, of course, we need to talk to more than two people in Teague. We need at least three, the magic number three. So uh, the next guest is really busy. We only have a few minutes with him. We're going to get through this quick. It's Rick, and he is a barber in Teague, that little wee village we've been talking about. And he has been pretty much the lifeline to my son's sanity. And I'm not exaggerating. So I'm so excited that he'll talk to us for a few minutes. Um, his company is it's Rick of Backstack Corporation. And hello, Rick. Thank you for being here. Well, hello, Lynette. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so thrilled because I want everybody to understand the degree to which it has taken truly a Texas village to raise my son. Um, it was easy for me to do it alone when he was little. But in this world where you're trying to get the kids to become grown-up independents, it requires a kind of support from the community that I've just been blessed to get for Rye. So three questions so you can go back to work. Um, It has not been a smooth and simple linear road to success for Rye. He goes up, he goes down, he goes up, he goes down. But overall, he's climbing up towards a really stable, nice guy. But he dips. And you've, um, you've been a part of both of those. You've, you've seen them go up, you've seen them go down, and sometimes the backlash has come your way. So I'm going to throw three questions at you, answer all or, or just one, whatever all you right. want to share. My three questions are, one, how did Rye end up originally working for you filling shampoo bottles? Two, why do you take them back when you take them back? <laughs> What is it about Rye that, that, or about you or both of you that's kept a soft heart and made it that when he's messed up uh, or needed a long vacation, you always keep a space for him? And number three, um, just a, maybe a cute story about you and Rye. So you can do all of those or just one, as you wish. Okay. Well, uh, of course, Rye, he floats around town looking for work all the time. And uh, at first, of course, I didn't know anything about Rye. And uh, I knew he was a little different. Socially, he's a little different. And uh, I don't have any experience with autism or or anything like that. So, But anyway, I put him to work and because he seemed very earnest and genuine. And, uh, of course, Rye is extremely intelligent. You know, when he, when he, when he has the time to devote to anything, then, you know, he's, he's terrific at it. And so eventually I started noticing more about Rye you know, about what he, you know, things that he was struggling with and the things that he succeeded at. And so I come from a background of educators, so I teach karate and then I teach I teach coloring and I teach haircutting and I teach uh, correction of hair. We do a lot of research in correction of hair. So I started being a little bit more interested in Rye because I saw that he had moments of intelligence and moments that he was just beside himself. He didn't know what to do with himself. So... One of my clients is a special needs instructor, a teacher. So I sat her down one day and had a nice long conversation with her, and she gave me a whole list of tremendous knowledge about autism and about how to look for different signs of different levels of autism, and you know, because everybody's unique and special in their own way. So I started applying those to Rye, and. Uh, and lo and behold, I mean, they they really help Rye focus and do the things that he needs to be doing. Because I don't give him a free ride at all. In fact, I'm a little tough on Rye. Because he That's told awesome. me one day he wants to be an entrepreneur. And he wants to learn and do things on his own. So I told him, I said, I'm not your friend. I'm somebody you work for. And, and that's kind of how I've kept Rye. I've kept him a little bit at arm's length on purpose to keep him honest, so to speak. That's I don't awesome. want him to get too close because my heart's too soft, and you know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Rye, wor- he's working. He works very well as long as I keep with the rules that this uh, teacher gave me, and so 
you know, Rye, he has a he has a really big heart, but Rye is also he Rye is a tremendous he is a survivor. Rye yeah. knows how to survive. And so I think everybody in town here kinda knows a little bit about him. And uh so Well, we really appreciate you because I know that at one point he broke uh, the door or something, but in in other ways he's, like, consistent and strong, and and it's just really great that that you were able to kind of go with the flow and the different things that have come up over the years because he's really changed knowing he had something steady. So to be be quick, um, I think people would benefit if you gave them a taste of uh, what that teacher told you that's helped you with Rye, even just one or two things. Okay. And then we can we can let you go. And I, and I really, really appreciate that you have truly uh, made it possible for my son to move forward in, in the adult world. So I just want to give you my gratitude for that. So what did the teacher tell you that you've applied with Rye that's, that's made a difference? Well, with Rye, <clears throat> one of the things is uh, his... his um, uh, it, he tasks very well if you give him specifics. You know, tell him I, you just don't say, "Right, I need, I need you to fill up some uh, some bottles of conditioner." You know, that's not very specific, and he doesn't grab a hold of that very well. So I say, "Right, I need you to fill up exactly 14 bottles of conditioner. Uh, I need seven of this size, and I need you know, however many of another size." And if you give him very specifics and write it down for him. He he does a tremendous job with that, and he does very well. He doesn't get frustrated. Also, we try to keep the noise level down. If Ry can work in a peaceful atmosphere, he does so much better. He's able to focus and not get so anxious and uh, have trouble with that. And third, uh, I give him a time frame. You know, sometimes Ry ha- he has trouble focusing with. Time, level, you know, moments mm-hmm. of time. Sometimes three minutes is an eternity to him, and then sometimes three hours is is just a quick moment to him. And uh, of course, we all fall into that sometimes. You know, when you're on the computer, you know how three hours can go by before you even know it. But uh, if I give Rice, Rice is going to probably take you, you know, about 15 minutes to do this. Then he has an understanding of what it's going to take. And then he can focus on that, and in turn, he does a tremendous job. That's wonderful, and it's wonderful for uh, another reason, Rick. So one time, I was sweeping someone's garage <clears throat> to, of leaves, and he was making extra money that way. And the guy comes out that had hired him and says, you know, if you use the leaf blower, it'll go a lot quicker. And he says, yeah, but aren't you paying me by the hour? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so there's also the side to ride that is the entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, putting it in a time frame is perfect because then he knows what your expectation is and he'll be yeah. consistent and work well. <laughs> well. He's a survivor. I mean, he he thinks things out. I've watched him. He says, well, how much, how much time is that going to be? In? And, you know, and I tell him, he says, well, I can make this much money and then I can go down and I can yep. mow this grass. And he's always planning things out. Yeah, he really is. He really is. And that's because we're not, we don't give him an easy ride and we ask him to survive. Yeah. And we ask him. And and that would have only worked if I had a town that would support it. So, again, I want to say thank you. I've just uh, not had the opportunity to give him my gratitude because I'm far away. So, my appreciation goes out to you for the support you've been to my family. Well, you know, it's, it's, Rye is not getting any kind of handout here. Rye's earning his own way, so it just takes a little special knowledge to help him earn his own way. Well, so Rye's doing a good job, and he is improving quite a bit. He's really trying hard. So, woohoo! Thank you. That's a great yeah. thing to end on. Thank you, Rick. I'm gonna have to close the show, so I'm gonna say goodbye to you. But thank you so much for taking a minute with us. Oh, you're welcome, Annette. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, 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 okay. It is time for the great guest giveaway. Only problem is we don't have time for the great guest giveaway. So so I'm going to actually bump them to next show. Well, at this point, I can barely even repeat all the names of the people that have been on this show, and I'm sure it's run long and I'll get a call from the boss. But anyways, I just want to get to stories from the road. The question 
as you may or may not recall, is how do we make our children independent? Well, I I have theory, and uh, since this is Stories from the Road, I'm not going to just fill the whole thing with theories. I'm going to give you a story. But I'm at least going to give you kind of a heads up of my thinking. And that is, I think, that maybe some of what's going on in the world is partially been created by the fact that we've had to safety our kids, pull them inside, give them video games, throw inanimate objects their way and video and computers, and then say, wow, look, that's what they like. Um, In the old days, we worked them harder. We got them physically active. That helps release brain neurotrophic releasing factors and helps the brain heal and change. We allowed people to be not so smart, and that was the guy cleaning the stall or, or you know, plow, plowing the field. And he was as valued, that farmer was, or farmer's helper, ranch hand was just as valued as, you know, the guy that was running the place and buying it. And, and it, We've lost a lot of that. And in in the process, we've gone and made organizations and government programs and put people in group homes, and I'm not a proponent of any of this. In fact, if I have my way, we'll have, okay, I'm going to get in trouble, we'll have less services for autism, much less. Because in my opinion, Most of the people giving the services don't know what they're doing, and they're reinforcing the state of autism. So my story is, again, about Teague. When I came to Teague, I told you, I came and I looked for all the the things that my children would need. I needed a little bit of poverty. I needed, um, you know, I needed it to be not so poor that it was dangerous, but poor enough that they would understand if my kids had to do very basic labor work. And I, I also needed them to have that that old farmer attitude, and we go fishing, and we go hunting, and we go, you know, we detail cars, and that can make a living. And, and surprisingly, actually, they pay more to get their lawn mowed in Teague than they do in the city because there isn't the competition. So my son makes a decent living. And when we first arrived, I was you know, myself and and all these kids and and my grandkids and my daughter, and we got this property that has 67 acres and a broken-down house, and we went to this broken-down town, and we started uh, getting around and meeting people. And what I noticed first and foremost is that everybody just treated us like we were just one of them. And that is what we need to do. So let me give you a a little story. And this one's not about um, Rye. This one's about my son Chance. So he was the highest functioning of of the lot. And so he was a little bit of a, he was kind of an angry dude and wanted everyone to see how handsome he was and how smart he was. And he was was just this guy who thought, you know, because he was higher functioning than than his brothers, that he was a genius and was hard to teach and hard to help. And he wanted to be in a hockey team and a football team. And he had all these ideas and he was a teeny teeny little guy like five foot two at the time and and he only grew to be five four so he never got tall so um yeah i didn't really want to encourage tough guy but i did want to encourage team player and i did want to put him in a position where people looked at him like he was special and so i looked around the town and i'm like what have they got well the disadvantage (laughs) to a little town like that is they don't got much But I found this amazing, amazing dance instructor in the middle of nowhere in Teague, Texas. In fact, people come from very far away to get her to teach their children how to dance because she's amazing, better than anybody I've seen in any of the cities. And she just happens to live there. So um, she has great, huge concerts and, and is an amazing teacher. And I went there and I said, can my kids try your class? And my son Chance joins this class full of girls only. I have to really talk him into it. And I'm like, come on, girls love it if you can dance. They love it if you can I'm telling him all the reasons why this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to him. And he goes, it's not hockey, Mom. So, <laughs> but, but when there's very little other 
very few other things to choose from. Sometimes you can talk your kids into things. So I get him involved in this, and sure enough, the girls are, he's the only guy. And he starts dancing, and he turns out he's really good. And they put him in the center all the time, and the girls dance around him, and he's got a special flair, and he starts to get a sense of importance. And he makes friends and gets crushes, and they get crushes. And even in, in all the pictures, when you look back at the pictures where he's in, he always has game face. He never is smiling like the rest of them. And we're always going, look how everyone else is smiling. There was still lots to learn. And he had kind of his own style because he was a bit stiff. But he was handsome, he was willing, and so were they. So this was a town that just said, sure, if you want to fit in and you want to join our class, come on. They didn't have all the rules that they have in the city. It was like the olden days. In the olden days, brought my kids forward into life in the present day. And for that, Teague, Texas, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Rick the barber. Thank you, Milton the brother-in-law. Thank you, Linda the, the client, lawn mowing client. Thank you, Miss Ann the dance teacher. Thank you to the librarians who Rye would go in and he'd smack the computer when he'd get upset and they'd kick him out and give him a length of time before he could come back. And then he'd come back and he'd, like it was his lifeline where the computers were at the library and they'd give him another chance and he matured and they helped him. Thank you. Thank you, housing, for giving my son a chance to live on his own at a rate that he could afford mowing lawns. Thank you, Brookshire's for kicking him out for two years because he lost his temper at the <laughs> at the pop can machine and you didn't tolerate it. Thank you for not tolerating it. Thank you, thank you for not tolerating it. Don't make excuses for your kids. Make lessons. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. This is a new spin on autism answers. And today's answer is don't make excuses. Make lessons. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.